All right, all right. So we've been going through Ephesians uh, slowly but surely, and uh, we've been in chapter 5 for a few weeks now, and um, Paul is continuing on um, with this theme of, of walking as a Christian. Like we, It's a daily aspect. We talked about that, I believe, last week, how really the walking is a day in and day out. It's your conduct, right? It's not so much just like this walk, but it's your conduct in a daily basis. And so he reminds us and he's instructing the Ephesians and the Christians in Ephesus in the beginning of chapter 5 that they are to be imitators of God and they're to do this by walking in love. So that was one of the first things that we saw was to walk in love. Now, of course, he also told us in the beginning of chapter 4 that we're to walk worthy of the calling right? But to walk worthy, we have to start off by walking in love. And then the thing that we looked at last week was walking in light, walking in light because we are children of light, right? And now because we are children of light, Paul's going to show us and he's going to command us here that we now need to walk circumspectly. Now that's not a word that we you guys, do you guys use that in your vocabulary? No? I don't think I've ever used it once except for like three seconds ago. Um, so he says you need to walk circumspectly because you are children of light, because you are children of God. And we're going to talk about, we're going to break this down a little bit, what that means and what that looks like. And uh, now when he's going to share about what it looks like and what it means, it's going to be a long drawn out message which starts in verse 15 and it really goes through like halfway of chapter 6. Now, we're not going to cover, you know, a whole chapter this morning. You know, as you guys know, we go verse by verse and when we go verse by verse expository, we break things down, we expose it and it takes a while to get through it. So this morning we're just going through verses 15, 16 and 17. So when we look that when Paul tells us to walk circumspectly, we're going to look and see in what area And the area here this morning is to know what God's will is. To be wise by knowing what God's will is. So that's how we are going to, that's what we're going to look at this morning. So in verse 15, I'm going to read 16 and 17 as well. He says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of God is the Lord is. Now, if you look in verse 15, he says, see then. It's almost pretty similar to having the word therefore, right? And when the word therefore is there, what do we do? We look to see what it's there for. When he says, see then, we look and see in context what was just written, what preceded this text. Okay, so we have to look at the context and in the light of it, we see that because we are children of God, right? Because we are children of light, we then should walk circumspectly, right? He says, see then that you walk circumspectly. Okay. To walk circumspectly means to walk carefully or to walk accurately. When you walk carefully, you look all around before you take a step, right? Like for example, Legos, right? And you don't have shoes on. What do you do? Yeah, that does happen. Now, you try to be careful with it. You try to, you know, dodge it or, you know, if the, you guys ever walk. So my son does this thing where 
where we're walking in the like Walmart parking lot and he doesn't like to step on the cracks, right? So he's like jumping left, right, left, left, right, up. Well, it's always up, but you know what I mean, right? So like Legos, you got to you gotta watch where you're going. If you don't want to step on cracks, you have to be careful. You have to be intent. You have to be very specific in what you're looking for. Uh, even like, you know, in, in movie scenes when they're on the bridge, that's like 5,000 years old and, you know, it's barely, you know, holding together. You have, you have to walk carefully, right? You're not going to step in an area where there's no plank of wood on the bridge, right? Wow, you guys are dumb. I guess all of you would. Or... Right? You go to Ariana's house in the backyard where her dogs poop. Are you just going to run around freely? No, like, I'm going to watch carefully where I go. Where's Ariana? Oh, so I don't... I thought, you always sit over there. So I don't step in dog poop, right? That's just, that's just how it is. And so Paul's going to remind us, and he's telling us here, that you, as children of God, should walk carefully. Now, what what is that going to look like? Okay, Paul, I understand I need to walk careful. I need to be very specific and accurate with what and how I walk, why and what does that look like? Now, first, we do have to understand as Christians, we have to be careful. We can't just be ignorant. We have to be looking out. We have to be watchful, right? What are we being watchful for? Not poop, not Legos, not broken bridges, not anything else, right? Now, if you want to live and you don't want to go through misfortune, of course, like watch for that. But specifically, when he's speaking to Christians here in Ephesians 5, He's talking about the spiritual aspect of it. Look, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whomever he may devour. Right? That's Satan. And Satan's not the only one. Now, understand, we have to give Satan, we have to give Satan too much credit, because Satan can't be in all places at one time. Okay? He's like you and I. We can, he can only be in one place. So don't think like, oh my gosh, Satan's attacking me. Look, Satan's probably not attacking you, okay? Now, Satan has, has dominion, Satan has demons, and he has the, he is the power of this world, right? God has given him dominion of this world, and he is walking about seeking whomever he may devour, right? That's not to say that he's going to put something in your way to hurt you physically. It might just be something in your mind. Right? And you have to be mindful. You have to be vigilant. You have to be sober, as Peter puts it. Okay? You have to be vigilant. Vigilant means to be watchful. Okay? If you're going to walk carefully, you have to be watchful. Right? You also have to know what you're looking for. You can't just be looking and be like, what am I looking for? No. Like, understand what you are looking for. Be careful. Now, as you do that, you will walk in wisdom. You will be wise. Now, Paul tells us next at the end of chapter or verse 15, how we are to walk circumspectly. Okay, how we are to walk carefully as Christians. We walk circumspectly according to Ephesians 5.15 by walking not as fools, but as wise. Wow, goodness, you guys are tired today. But as wise, okay, not as fools, but as wise. Who wants to walk as a fool? Okay, good. Joseph's the only one who wants to walk as wise. Yeah, all of us, right? I mean, I, I hope so. I want to be wise in the way that that I live my life. I want it to be to be well. I want it, I want to get to heaven. And I want the Lord to say to me, "Well done, good and faithful servant." I don't want him to say, "You stupid," 
right? Like, what were you thinking? Why were you so foolish? And now understand this, because when often when we read the Bible, we think wisdom is beyond us, right? Like, I'm just, I'm just not a very smart person. Like, intellectually, I'm not there. You know, my brain just can't comprehend it. But understand that you have the ability to gain this wisdom that, that Paul is going to share to share to us this morning. Okay? And I'm going to make it very simple to you guys so you guys understand it. Okay? But we're not there yet. So these two words, when Paul says, don't be a fool, but be wise, these two words in the Greek use the same root word. It's just one is negated. The Greek word is sophos. I'm definitely pronouncing that, pronouncing that wrong. It's S-O-P-H-O-S. And it means wisdom or wise. And in the Greek, like English, you can negate some words by adding a certain prefix. So for us, it'd be like unity. How do you negate that? Disunity. Legal. Illegal. Faithful. Happy. Unhappy. There you go. Good job, guys. Now we know. Now these the same words here when when Paul is talking about the fools and the wise, it's the same root word, but one has just a prefix attached to it to negate it. Right? So we got wise and then we got foolish. So again the word was sophos or sophi, which is S O P H O S or S O P H uh, O I. And all you have to do is add an A to the front to negate it, making them foolish and not wise. Now, this, this wisdom that Paul is talking about, he's saying if you're going to walk careful, walk wise, don't walk foolish, what does it mean to be wise? What is this wisdom? Again, we think often that it's, you know, for wisdom to be, you know, I just, I, I understand everything about anything. You know, like I memorize the encyclopedia. I know this, I know that. A lot of that is very intellectual, right? It's just, it's just factual knowledge. Wisdom is different, okay? To a Greek, this wisdom is knowing some things, right? What I just talked about. The idea of wisdom is understanding, but the Greek idea, sorry, of wisdom is understanding the why of things. Now, to a Hebrew, wisdom is like being taught to drive. So here's, here's the big difference, okay? So one is... I know things. The other one is like this for the Hebrews. They understood it this way. Like being taught to drive. How many of you drive? How many of you drive legally? Not legally, illegally. Yeah, most of us, right? I know our parents let us do it. So you're being taught to drive, right? What matters in driving is the speed and the appropriateness of your reactions to things and the soundness of your judgment in certain situations, right? So when you're driving, you often don't wonder why is this road so slippery? You guys ever wonder that? (laughs) No, like it's slippery and I make sure that I, I gain control. Why is the turn so sharp? Or why is that car parked where it is? Or why did they suddenly stop right in the middle of the road? The why doesn't really matter. Instead of asking why, you simply try to see and do the right thing in the actual situation, right? Because understanding why won't really get you anywhere. It won't, it won't save you or it won't allow you to do the right thing in a certain situation. So to drive well, you have to keep your eyes focused 
to notice exactly what is in front of you. To live wisely, you have to do the same thing. Wisdom is properly evaluating circumstances and making right decisions. It's the ability to respond correctly to the circumstances of life. All right, so it's not so much what I know, but it's taking what I know and applying it and doing right things, right? Responding in the right way. So how do you get that wisdom? How do you get to the point where you respond in the right way? Where does wisdom come from? God, all right? Wisdom comes from God. It starts here. It starts with fearing God. You guys remember this? Half of you on the side are wearing the t-shirt, Revere. It starts with fearing God. It says in Proverbs 9.10 that the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of what? Wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That's Proverbs 9.10. You want wisdom? It starts off with you fearing God. That's a good question for us to ask ourselves. Do I truly fear God? God. Do I? And if I truly fear God, then this will be the beginning of wisdom, and that wisdom will allow me to live a righteous life, to do right living, to respond correctly to life's situations. I may not know why, nor do I really even need to understand why, but I'll respond in the right way. When you fear God, you begin to live right. So now what does it mean to fear God? Does it mean like you cower in front of him? No? When we think of fear, we associate the word with terror. And Webster defines it as a feeling of anxiety, agitation produced by the presence or nearness of danger, evil, or pain. Right? Like obviously that's not what the Lord desires for us is to fear him like he's some, you know, clown hiding in the dark. You know, no, we're not to to cower in that way because we can boldly approach the throne of grace. But rather, it's it's more of a reverence, and reverence doesn't speak of the entirety of this fear, but it's a good place to start. A reverence, a respect, and awe. Right? When we truly fear God, we will recognize that He is the Creator, and that we are the created beings. That He is the Master and that we are the servants, that he is the father and we are the children. And understanding this will provide us an attitude that will manifest itself in our having a respect for God and in our, in, in our having a desire to do what he tells us to do in the Bible. It's that type of fear of God that, that he wants, that he desires, that he's deserving of. Like you have to understand that God is... Again, like he is the creator. He is the father. He is the master. That I am the the servant. I am the one that he created. That he has all power. That I am I not I don't have limited power. I have no power apart from God. But yet because of his grace, he's redeemed and he has provided part of his power to us. But the fear of God should provide a primary motivation for obedience to him. The fear of God and understanding who he is should bring respect to him that would allow me to obey him. All right? In the same sense that you would, you know, fear your parents, right? You love them. 
You're not cowering from them. I mean, unless something else is happening in your house, but if they're good parents, you respect them, you love them, and you want to do and be obedient to what they say. You want to do what they say and be obedient to it. Right? In the same sense with God, we have to do the same. The fear of God should lead us to being obedient to him. And as we're obedient to him, that's going to bring about so much wisdom. When you are obedient, when you are living rightly, that is wisdom. So the decisions that you make, they'll be right. You'll respond correctly to the circumstances that life throws your way. Right? When a car is stopped in the middle of 40, remember, you're not going to ask why, but you're actually going to what? <laughs> Wonder? Is that what he said? It's the same thing. You you you're going to you're going to respond in the right way. Right? You're going to you're going to maneuver around it. So, Paul again, let's read verse 15. He says, "Then walk circumspectly." So, it means to walk carefully. Don't be foolish, not as fools, but as wise. Right? So, we're to walk carefully in all wisdom, and this wisdom comes from fearing the Lord. And as we fear the Lord, we are obedient to him. And as we're obedient to him, we are, we are walking carefully, right? It almost all goes hand in hand. Now we do this because verse 16 tells us that we should walk carefully so that we can redeem the time. What, is that, what do you think that means, to redeem the time? Can you get time back? No. Once it's gone, it's gone, right? Like time is, is precious, because it's something that you cannot get back. It's something that you can't even add on to, right? Now, we all don't know how much time we have, right? Some of us have less. Some of us have more. Either way, it should be something precious to us, right? It's something that we shouldn't just waste away and throw away. Yet, far too often, we do that very thing, right? Especially when we're younger, Right? When, you, when you start to get older, or if you guys have grandparents, you see them more intentional with the time that they have. They spend more time with their family. They do this. They do that. They, they prioritize their time. Right? For us, it's like, I've got all the time in the world, so I'm going to binge Netflix for eight hours. Right? Or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to sleep in until 12 o'clock. You know? So we have to be mindful. That is, that is a good thing for us to understand, but... In the context of what Paul is going to tell us here, he's not really talking about overarching chronological time. Okay, he's going to be talking about specific moments in your life. Okay, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. So, we are to redeem the time if we are to walk carefully. Redeeming the time. There were two ancient Greek words used for time. One had the idea simply of day upon day, an hour upon hour, and the other had the idea of a definite portion of time a time where something should happen. It is the difference between time and the time. And the idea here is of the time. As Paul says, redeeming the time. It is a definite season of opportunity that Christians must redeem. And the same word is actually translated opportunity in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. You guys can look at that in your own time. So that word here is, is really the Paul saying, redeem the opportunity, redeem the time. There are specific opportunities in your life that you must redeem. 
Now redeem, we got to understand what that word means to understand what it means to redeem opportunities. It comes from two words, out and to buy. And in this passage, it means to buy up for oneself. It implies a sacrifice or loss of something to gain something else. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, it gives us a good example of that. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So here, the price was Christ becoming a curse for us, and the gain was our rescue from the curse of God. So, to redeem the opportunity means this. To take whatever painful steps are necessary to get the gain we are after. What is the opportunity that you are to seize? What do you think the opportunity is for you to seize? To redeem. I really think it's any and every opportunity to redeem. And what do we do with those opportunities? We don't just waste them away, but they're, they're there for us to glorify God. That opportunity is for you to glorify and to honor God. When we consider that our lives are not ours to do with as we might please, but they're a gift from God, we, ask, we should ask ourselves, is my life going to be spent for the American dream and what I want, or is it going to be for the glory of God? Think about it. Far too often we... we we make so many decisions and so many opportunities. We do seize, but we seize it for us, right? We want it to be about us. And when it's my life, I want, I want to live it the way that I want to live it. I want to do what I want to do. I want to do, I want to do this when I grow up. I want to marry this person when I grow up. I want to have this by this age and this by that age. And God's like, that's not, that may be what I have for you, but that's not how you're supposed to get there. Every opportunity I give you is not to glorify and honor yourself, but it's to glorify and honor God. Now, and if you want to walk wisely, that's your only option. If you want to, as a Christian, to walk wisely, that's your only option to redeem the time. And Paul's going to tell us why it's so important in a minute. But for you to walk circumspectly, and to do it wisely, we're then able to seize opportunities to glorify God. And that's what I want to do with my life. I want to, I want to glorify God with my life. You know, the decisions I make, the things that I do, to prioritize those opportunities for the glory of Him and not for the glory of me. Now, I really want to challenge you guys with that because a lot of you are in situations where you're taking your time and you're not redeeming it the way that God has intended it. You're wasting it. And don't waste it. God will give you opportunity after opportunity and use it. Take advantage of it to glorify Him. And we must do this because Paul will then go on to say, because the days are evil. You know, Remember, in context, Paul is writing to the Ephesians here, 
So he's telling them that their days are evil, right? And I'm sure it was. Now, can we apply that to 2019? Do you think our days are evil? They really are. I mean, just look in context of this chapter. And Paul shows us all the evil that's going on there. And I see it here. So if if this was happening back then in Paul's time, and it's happening now, if that age was evil, then this age is evil. He says, look, there's fornication, uncleanliness, covetousness, right? Filthiness, foolish talking, coarse jesting, uh, more fornication, an unclean person, covetousness, an idolater, and so much more. The works of darkness, the things that are shameful to even speak of. Now, unless you're completely blind or completely ignorant or you live in a bubble, then you may not think that the days that we're living in are evil, but they are. And the evil that comes about in our world is becoming more and more acceptable. So it sometimes does even look like it's evil. But we're living in times that are evil. Paul says, redeem the time because the days are evil. They are. And you have to be aware of that. The days are evil. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 says this. And you guys remember we studied a couple months ago. He says, In you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. It shows you what the world looks like. The days are evil. That the world walks according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So Paul tells them, look, this is how non-Christians, people who have not been born again and redeemed, this is how they walk. It's evil. And now that you've been born again, you are now set on a new course and a new path where you are to walk worthy of your calling, you walk in love, you walk in light, and now we're seeing here that you walk carefully and you walk in wisdom. And as you're walking carefully and you're walking in wisdom, you're redeeming the time, you're, you're setting up situations, you're using the situations in your life to glorify God, the opportunities that are given to you. And if we neglect to do that, we become selfish. And as we become selfish, we lean towards doing evil. That's just what selfishness is. It's almost the the root of it all, is being selfish. And Paul tells us that no matter what you do, in every situation, whether you're eating or drinking, you're to do it unto the glory of God. You do it for Him, not for you. And if you forget that, then you might be swept away in the same evil that this world is in. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. This is a good one to know. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Don't be so easily enticed by this world. The psalm tells us that blessed is the man who doesn't walk 
in those ways. You will be blessed. And you may not be blessed in the sense of you're thinking like, oh, God's going to like, he's going to reward me. <laughs> he's going to reward me for walking right. And he's going to give me what I desire and what I want. I don't know. He may. But the blessing comes from just not doing evil. That's just a huge blessing in and of itself. And the consequences that come from walking in the counsel of the ungodly or standing in the path of sinners. It's a blessing just not being a part of that. That we delight, that we should delight in the law of the Lord. That we should delight in who God is and in his word. And that we need to meditate it, meditate on it day and night. We should. We need to. And we're going to look at that in a second in verse 17. How important it is for us to be in God's word. Because if you're not in God's word, because this is going to be the end of it all. If you're not going to be in God's word, then you're not going to be able to do anything that verses 15 and 16 command us to do. How are you to walk carefully if you're not being instructed on what to do, what to look for, where to walk? Right? How are you going to do? How are you going to redeem the time? How are you going to be wise? How are you going to fear the Lord if you don't even know who he is? How are you going to live rightly if you don't know the difference between right and wrong? If you don't have a conviction for right and wrong. So it's important that we continue to be planted, you know, by by the source, by the 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 water to be filled. To have that understanding, that instruction that God gives us here in his word. So he goes on to tell us in verse 17, he says, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. If you want to redeem the time, knowing that the days are evil, it's important and it's an imperative that you understand what the will of the Lord is. Have you guys ever thought like how like it's like impossible to understand what the will of the Lord is? Like what's God's will? Right? You guys ever like somebody just asked you that question like what's what's God's will and you're like I don't know. I don't know how to put that into an answer. Well, let's try to understand it simply. Listen. God's will, it's not it's not some unobtainable thing that you like God's trying to hide from you. All right? It's not something that like he's trying to make it so hard for you to understand. It's not elusive, it's not hidden. He's actually made it plain as day for us. Do you want to know what God's will is? And do you want to know what God's will is for you in your life? Do you want to know? Do you want the answer? Do you want the secret to everything? Anybody know? Read your Bible. (laughs) And read your Bible. It's in there. Read it. I know it's cliche, but it's cliche because it's true. It's the answer. God's will for you, God's will for mankind, God's will is in his word. It's it's what he has written for you to read to understand what he desires for you in your life. Okay? Now, can you go to Ephesians chapter 7 and will it say 
Jeffrey, you should marry Whitney in 2011. That's the woman that I have for you. Does it say that? Well, then how, how, how is God going to tell me what his will is for my life if there's no very like specific answers like that? There's no Ephesians 7. That's why I said that. What am I? What college am I supposed to go to? What? What color Gatorade am I supposed to pick? I know there's some of you like that that are like have just really hard time of making decisions, right? I don't know. Should I do the black or the red? They both look great. Which one is it? God, just just like if you want me to wear the black one, then destroy the red one right now, right? Like that. That's how. That's what we do, right? Like, if you don't want me doing this, make it super clear. You know, just get rid of it. Do, you know, shut the door. We always say, like, those those things, right? But God's word is in here. It's God's will is in here. It's God's will is in his word. And what Paul is going to tell us, and it's, it's really funny, because he says in verse 17, before we didn't even look at this, he says, therefore, do not be unwise, Okay. Do not be unwise. Now, this word unwise is different than the word we see in verse 15 when he says not as fools. Okay? The word here is actually much stronger and more derogatory term than the word fools. Okay? That we saw in verse 15. Here, the Greek word is... I can't pronounce it because I have no idea how to. It's A-P-H-R-O-N-E-S. It means ignorant totally senseless, unlearned, or foolish. And probably the closest word in English because of its derogatory nature would be, anybody want to guess? Stupid. So Paul is literally telling the Ephesians, and he's telling me right now, don't be stupid, right? Don't be stupid, stupid, is what he's saying. He says, understand what the will of the Lord is. It's crazy that, that Paul would be would take such a strong stance on that that he would say, look, if you don't know what the will of the Lord is, if you don't understand it, you're basically unwise. <laughs> you're unwise. He says understand it, and he doesn't even elaborate on, on what the will of the Lord is. He doesn't even like explain more on it. He just says understand it. Because he knew that they knew that the way to understand it was just to read your Bible, to, to read the words of God, to study it and obey it. it it's, again, it's that simple. Don't be stupid. We think, you know, often, oftentimes we think, you know, again, the will of God, we think it's, you know, for your life, we think it's, you know, God, what... <sighs> What person should I marry? Should I marry this person or not? You know, should I go to this college? Should I, what should I do with my career? You know, what should I go to school for? Should I do this? Should I do that? You know, God, just make it very clear what your will is in my life. And I don't think that that is what Paul is speaking about here when he says, understand the will of the Lord. Okay? He's not trying to get you to understand what God's will is for your life with these types of questions. Okay? That's not it. Now, those are important questions, okay? Yes, think about them. Pray about them. Get answers for them. Okay? You don't want to just 
go off willy-nilly and do stuff. But Paul calls us here to understand God's will. He's concerned with how we live our everyday, normal, moment-by-moment, day-in and day-out lives. It's the little things, not the big things. Somebody said this, and I think it's great. Perhaps we would not have so much trouble in finding God's will for important decisions if we were more accustomed to discerning his will throughout life. It's the little things. It's the little things in understanding what God, God tells me to do this. I hear you, God. I understand it. Now I'm going to obey it. You start to do those little things, and I believe that God will speak to you and, and he'll reveal the, the bigger questions that you have. God's will is in here. You need to read his instructions and his commandments. And as you read them, don't just read them, but obey them. Right? Because that's, that's wisdom. Do you guys remember the story in Matthew chapter 7 where the guy, remember the VeggieTales video where the guy built a house on sand and one guy built, this isn't VeggieTales, I don't think, but one guy built his house on sand the other guy built it on rock right? You guys remember that story? Cool. That's in Matthew chapter 7. So Jesus says that the foolish man builds builds his house upon the sand, which just makes common sense, right? That's a horrible foundation. But the wise man, he built his house upon the rock, right? A hurricane's coming. I want my house on a rock, not on sand, right? I mean, even if just a little, little two-inch wave came, my house would just completely crumble if I built it on sand. Now, when the storm came in Matthew chapter 7, the foolish man's house fell down, obviously, but the house of the wise man stood firm. And you ever wondered what the true difference is between those two men? Obviously, the difference was the sand and the rock, right? But when you look back at the text, you actually see that both men were given God's word. Isn't that crazy? They were both given God's word. They both knew the Bible. They had the Bible. It appears that they both read the Bible and they heard God's word. Okay? Actually, turn there really quick. Matthew chapter 7, so you don't think I'm just making stuff up. In verse 24, it says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, he's saying, They've all heard it. They know it. They heard my words. They read my words. They have my Bible. That's where they're both similar, right? But where's the big difference between the foolish man and the wise man? The big difference wasn't them reading and and hearing the word of God, right? Because they both did that. The big difference was what they did in response to it, right? One responded by not obeying it. They just heard it. They read it. They did, you know, whatever. The other one heard it, read it, and obeyed it. Right? Heard it, read it, and obeyed it. And that made him wise, and it gave him a foundation that lasted through a storm. That's why it's so important for us to read God's word, but then to obey it. That's true wisdom, guys. The foolish man hears what I'm saying right now, 
but doesn't do anything with it. The wise man hears what I'm saying right now and does something with it. That you would continue to seek and search what God has for you in his word. Because he will give you everything that you need to live this life right. Everything. It's going to be really hard. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be really hard. Because you know what? The foolish man and the wise man, they both went through a storm. Right? It's not like, oh God, God saw the guy with, you know, the wise man that built his house on the rock. And guy's like, oh, good job, man. You obeyed me. And then, you know, the storm veered off and went around him and hit the foolish man. No, they both had to go through the storm. They both had to go through trials and tribulations, hard circumstances. But one was able to stand in the end because of listening and knowing and obeying. Remember, the key thing is to obey. But also remember, you can't obey unless you know. And you can't know unless you read his word. That's why it's so important, guys. It's so important. I'll end with this. We're going to end early this morning. My question to you is, do you want to walk circumspectly? Do you want to be wise? Because that's Paul's challenge here for the the Ephesians. And I'm going to summarize all this in, in one or two sentences. To walk circumspectly. No. It says, then walk circumspectly by redeeming the time because the days are evil. And by understanding from scripture what the will of the Lord is. And by doing so, you will neither be foolish nor partake in evil ways. Walk carefully, guys. Walk wisely. Not as fools, but as wise. Seizing every opportunity you have to glorify God. Because the moment you stop seizing those opportunities to glorify Him, you are all in it for yourself. Which is the beginning and the root of the evil days that we're in, is selfishness. It's what we want. It's what we desire. It's what we want to fulfill in our flesh. And he says, as he ends, he says, Don't be stupid. Understand the will of the Lord. Right? Don't be dumb. Don't be unwise. It's there. It's simple. Read his word, know his commandments, and obey them. And as you do just those little things, and although they they seem like little things, they're actually big things, the Lord will just continue to reveal more and more of the path that he wants you on in your life to those bigger questions that you have in your life. 